And we're so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us this morning. Welcome to Alive Family Church. We are in week four of our summer series. And basically what we've been doing all summer is working through some of the different core values we here have, have at Alive. Different things that make up the DNA or the culture of our church. So whether you're new or old or just checking us out, this is perfect because you're getting to know kind of the heartbeat of Alive. Getting to know what makes us tick, what, what breaks our heart, what we're passionate about because I believe as we're unified, the Bible says God commands his blessing on that. Amen. And so real quickly, in case you've missed any of the previous three weeks, uh, just a recap of where we've been. Week one was the Bible is our truth. Amen. Mic drop. We could go home, right? It is our source of truth, right? We learned that because of that, we should get in it. We should know it. We should believe it and we should live it, right? And we've also been challenging us to up our uh, honor, our reverence of the Word of God. We've been in the middle of a summer Bible reading plan. If you have not been joining us, today we finish the book of John, John chapter 21. Praise God, if you've been following us along with us, you've read through the whole Gospel of John. For the rest of the summer, we're going through a lot of the epistles, the shorter letters. Like this next week, you're going to read the whole book of Galatians, like a whole book of the Bible in less than a few days, right? Because they have like three, four, five, six chapters for a lot of these books we're going to next. So if you're not familiar with that, you can head on our website and go on the Bible reading plan there on the homepage and figure out where to read. We're all reading together in the same place. We're also really fired up to bring God's word to his house. Amen. If there's any place to bring our Bibles, why not church? Amen. And so we've been rewarding that. How many of you guys know the word of God is a lifesaver? Amen. It's a lifesaver. The word of God. No, it's a lifesaver in so many ways. But uh, if you brought your physical Bible, wave it really high and proud. All right, don't be ashamed. If you brought a physical Bible to church with you, ushers, hook them up with the lifesaver. Amen. If you didn't and you really want a candy fix on Sundays, bring your Bible. Amen. It's a great way to get hooked up with a sugar buzz here. I don't know if we'll have to do this until Jesus comes back or not, but uh, we're going to create some habits. Amen. So that was week one. The Bible is our truth. Week two was faith is our response, right? How many of you guys know that faith pleases God? It's, it's the currency of heaven and the kingdom, right? We believe God. You take him at his word and we put faith and we take action in it. And then last week was Father's Day, but we kind of went into one of our cultures we have here at Alive, which is work hard and rest well. Amen. We want to have proper pacing for life to both work hard and take time to rest well. But today, we're going to dive into another one of our values here, and it's this one. I'm, I'm really excited to be here today and share this one. It is this. Church is alive and fun. Man, I don't know if you guys are awake. I said church is alive and fun. There we go. I think we all need this word this morning. I'll tell you what. You located yourself on that first response. Here's, the, here's our culture statement. We believe that, number one, Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. Jesus is building this church, and we love and we build what Jesus is building. Church should be both alive and church should be fun. Amen? The goal, the heart of this morning is for uh, the Lord to allow, to allow the Lord to reframe our view, our perspective of what church is or what church should be to, to help up our expectation to get it on the level that I believe God would want us to have and view church as and, and also encourage us to be an expression of his full alive church to the community around us. Amen. 
And here's the deal. I believe that as we take a deeper look at what Jesus fully intended for the church to be, it's going to give us a healthy perspective and bless us personally, but it's also going to bless us corporately. And so we're going to dive into God's word in just a few minutes here. But would you join me in a word of prayer? Prayer is just talking with God, right? We're going to talk to God. We're going to ask him to anoint today, bless today's word, and speak to us individually and specifically. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We already know you're here. We already know you're working. You're already moving. Even if we can't see it or feel it, you're here. You're working on our hearts. Father, you know the condition of our heart. You know our view and perspective of church. You know the hurts from church in the past. Lord, you know, you know the wounds that we carry with us. You know all of that junk. And yet you accept us boldly today and you love us. Holy Spirit, wrap your loving arms around us and show us the greater way. Show us the way of Jesus. Show us you, Father. And Lord God, we thank you that as we gain your perspective today of what the church is and should be, Father God, may it light a fire on the inside of each and every one of us and help us be the better expression of what you already died for and what you're building, Father. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed said, amen. Who's ready? Come on now. Well, hey, I'm going to start off and just address the uh, proverbial elephant in the room. And it's this cultural stereotype that church is boring. Church is boring. Have you ever thought that? Because I have. You ever felt that before? Yeah, I've been there. I've been in those services. What I mean by this is we're not talking about a live family church, but traditionally the cultural stereotype for when you think about church is boring. It's, it's dead. It's irrelevant. It's a waste of time. It, it steals sleep. It steals tea times. It steals time away on the lake, right? It's, it's doing that right now for some of us if we weren't in the right attitude coming this morning. Let's be honest. It's on a day off for us, right? It, it's another thing to do. And sometimes we just don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. We don't feel like it makes any difference in our lives. I don't believe that's the truth here, but I believe that is the cultural norm or stereotype. We're going to bust that today with the word of God. But uh, if I could just be transparent with you guys, I resonated with that definition of church for, for 18, 19 years of my life. Uh, when I grew up, uh, my family didn't even go to church that much. I would say we're creaster plus, all right? I'm adding a new thing here. What were we? We were creasters. Christmas, Easter, plus a few more Sundays, all right? Creasters, all right? Maybe, maybe you've been there yourself. Uh, maybe you're working on your plus right now. We saw you at Easter. You're planning on being here in Christmas and maybe a couple over the summer. Hey, no judgment, all right? We're glad you're here. But we didn't even go that much. But when my parents had that unction on Saturday night and said, you know what, or even Sunday morning, we think, boys, I have a younger brother, we're going to go to church tomorrow. All hell would break loose out in our life, you know what I'm saying? Like, we would fight it tooth and nail. We would stay up intentionally way late on Saturday so that we'd be too tired to go to church, right? When we heard mom and dad knocking at our bedroom door, no, no, we, we, we can't go. We, we'd fake sicknesses. We'd fake sleeping. They'd come in, and, and like, like we would just keep our eyes closed like we were sleeping, but we weren't really sleeping, Right? I think even one time I was like, no, I got to do homework. Who the heck does homework on a Sunday morning? Like, like we, we fought it tooth and nail, made up every excuse in the book why we shouldn't or couldn't go to church. It just wasn't good for us, right? When we did actually get dragged to church, we were on drugs. We got drugged to church, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and and then we got dragged to church. We would, we would try to just endure it with anything possible. 
right? We would draw on the bulletins. We'd hit each other. We'd try to get the other person in trouble with mom and dad, even though it was our fault, right? We would, we would pretend to lip the words if it looked like we're holy, but we're not really singing anything. We would literally fall asleep, right? We would get the uh, communion element purposely stuck on the roof of our mouth so we could play with it for the hour, hour and a half that we're there. So it'd give us something to do. I'm be, can I just be real with you this morning? Maybe you can relate to anything I've said or shared with you this morning. That was my definition of church. But perspective is everything. Because right? back then, I didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord. It was religion to me. It was a bunch of do's and don'ts, a bunch of things that took away the fun in my life, and I didn't really have a relationship with God. Now, it doesn't, I'm not knocking the, the, the type of church that I went to. Uh, maybe they were preaching the gospel. I'm sure they were. I just didn't have ears to hear it in that season of my life. It, it wasn't connecting with me. Therefore, it was making no eternal difference or even physical difference in my life. But when I'll tell you this, when I put my faith and trust in the Lord, when I began a personal relationship with Jesus, that I learned that God loved me despite of me, and that God had a better plan for my life, and I began to connect with that and get in some church services and environments that actually spoke my language, and it connected for me, and I began to dive into the Word of God, that changed everything. But for the first 19 years of my life, church was boring. And the sad thing is, I think that many people have that, that definition, that perspective, we don't see the value of it. We don't, we don't understand why we should invest more time in it. We, we don't definitely want to give to it. Like, we, we can't commit. No, we're not going to serve at it. Like, like all of these things, these, these disconnects of what God calls us to do. And here's, the, here's what we've got to understand. God loves us so much, he knows what's best for us. And if God's calling us to do something, it's actually for our best interest. But I believe that Jesus wants us to understand the true culture of church, and that is that it is alive and that it's supposed to be fun. Amen? And we can break some of those stereotypes even in our own lives this morning and in our community and in church going forward. And so for the remainder of my time with you guys today, I just want to cover two areas. We're just going to camp out on each of these two areas. The first area is this. Number one, church is alive. The second one is church is fun. And so uh, hopefully for the remainder of our time here, your view, your perspective, maybe you'll get enlightenment a little bit. So number one, if you're taking notes, church is alive. And to kick us off in this area, I think we need to go back and look at what Jesus said about the church in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Now, if you brought your Bible, don't go to the scripture yet. Just chill out for a second. If you brought your physical Bible, go to. I'm going to do, I'm going to do best, my best of ability. If you're going to bring your Bible, use it, all right? I'm going to slow down a little bit. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. There's four Gospels that start after the Old Testament. Matthew is the first one. 16, chapter 16 is about middle of the way done, uh, three quarters of the way there. And put your finger there in Matthew chapter 16. All right? Let's talk about something. Before we read what Jesus said about the church, I want us to get in unity and agreement on something, if that's okay. And it's this. Since Jesus is our Lord and Savior, since Jesus died for you and I to make a way to the Father, since Jesus is the main character, the central figure of our Christian faith, would it be safe to say that we should love what Jesus loves. We should be committed to what Jesus is committed to. We should build what Jesus is building. What breaks Jesus's heart should break our hearts, right? Is it safe to agree on this before we move forward? Yes, right? If he is the main deal, right? If he has changed our life, if he has set us free from sin and bondage, yes. Remember what Jesus said, he who has seen me 
who has seen, he has also seen the Father. So if we want to know God's will about the church, we can look at Jesus, because Jesus only revealed or said what the God the Father was saying and revealing to him. All right, you guys ready? You all to Matthew chapter 16 by now? All right, Matthew 16, verse 18. Really simple but powerful verse. Jesus said, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What did Jesus say he would build? His church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And just up front, guys, for God and Jesus, the church is front and center. It's the thing that Jesus died for. It's, it's the thing that Jesus is building. It's the main thing. It's not auxiliary. It's not only when he has time or when it's convenient with my vacation schedule or, or when it works with my kids' sports schedule. It is like the main thing and everything else goes around it. That's how God works in that area. So, so real quickly before we talk about what this means about building this church, let's define what church is because I think a lot of us have a misconstrued definition of what is the church, right? In, in the Greek, Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament, Greek and Aramaic. In the Greek, the word for church here is the word ecclesia, which literally means a calling out. Ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia. My, my, I will call out. What is the church? The church is a called out group of people that gather for God's purpose. When Jesus said he's going to build his church in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, what he's saying is, I'm going to continually call out men and women to follow me who will identify with my cause and gather together for God's purposes. That's what the church is, right? God isn't after building a monument. He's after building a movement. Amen. It's not about buildings and brick and mortar. It's about the people. Ever say, I'm the church. You're the church. Now, the church came to church because you showed up. We're having church because you're here, not because our building's open on Sundays. we got to understand the proper, healthy definition of what church is. You and I are the church. You are the one that Jesus died for. You're the one that Jesus is building. He's building the church, which means he's building us. He's growing us, amen? It sounds a lot like something that is alive, doesn't it? it sounds like something that's growing. It's a living organism. Hello, right? Jesus loves the church. Jesus is committed to the church. Jesus is coming back again for his bride, the church. Come on, somebody. In Ephesians 5, he talks about the church, us, as a bride. He is a husband. We're the bride. He is committed to his bride for life. Amen? And he did everything he's going to do to rescue that bride. He's passionate about church. He's not ashamed. He's not embarrassed about church. Come on, somebody. He loves the church, even with all of our quirks and our failures and our imperfections, and our junk, and our baggage. He loves us, and he's committed to us. Wow. I love what the message translation says about Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. The message just kind of puts it in modern-day language, right? It's not word-for-word. Word, it's more thought-for-thought thought translation of the Bible. In the message of 1618, Matthew, it says, And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I'll put together my church. Look, check this out. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Come on. I love that. So expansive with energy. There's something alive in that word energy. Come on. Nowhere is it so boring and dull and irrelevant and kill me now, right? No, it doesn't say that at all. 
so expansive with energy that hell ain't got nothing on it. Wow. That's the church Jesus is building. It doesn't sound like Jesus intended for boredom to be a part of that, for irrelevance to be a part of that. How many of you guys know Jesus didn't die for a boring church? Jesus didn't die for a broken church. Jesus didn't die for a church that is declining. Jesus died for a life-giving, vibrant, passionate, life-giving church. Come on, expansive with energy. That's the church Jesus died for, a church that's alive. Now, now what does alive mean? I, as I was studying this week, I just looked up the, the definition of alive. I'm like, man, what does alive even mean? And there's so much we could talk about here, but uh, some of the things that came up in my search was living, <laughs> not dead or lifeless, alert, active, animated. Some synonyms for it are existing, lively, vibrant, vigorous, and dynamic. The definition of dead, no longer alive. <laughs> Lack of activity or excitement. I don't know about you, like this is so simple, but like this should change and challenge the way we look at church, we participate in church. Our involvement, our commitment to church should look different, man. This should affect so many different areas of our life. Our relationship with Jesus, is it vibrant or does it lack life? Does it lack a pulse? Are, are attendance rhythms of church, are they existent or are they lifeless or non-existent? Our involvement, is it active or is it stagnant, right? Our worship, is it passion? Is it heartfelt? Is it vibrant? Or is it like, do you even care? You're here right now. When we serve, are we alert? Are we animated? Or do we act and look like we'd rather be somewhere else? Man, this challenges me. I don't know about you guys. This challenges me as I studied this this week. This affects our personal lives first, and then it affects our culture here at Alive at church. Sometimes I think it's also good for us, just healthy for us, to remind ourselves of the name of our church. Alive Family Church. Can you imagine? We're starting a new church in Livingston County called Dead Family Church. We'll get you to heaven real quick. Get one of those corny marquees out there and say, you know, like all those corny pastor jokes out there. It's not lame family church. It's not boring family church. It's a live family church. Come on, somebody. Alive, living, vibrant, passionate, active. We should be like that, right? And since we are the church, the only way we become a live family church is when our lives come alive. When our personal relationships come alive, when God lights that fire and we, we let it burn in us, right? We get passionate about what he's passionate about. Because here's what I know. People want to be a part of that kind of community. The people that Jesus died for, us and those that aren't here, they want to be a part of something. Have you ever been to a company, a business, a, a restaurant, a place where it's like, man, there's, there's just good energy here. Like, I like being here. The people seem that working here, they seem like they like it here. And like, like that's attractive. Amen? But I feel like so many churches, it's like, notify our face that we're saved. Notify our hands and our feet that Jesus died on the cross for us. And we don't have to spend eternity in hell. Like, we have to like stir it up. Why are we here? Why can we sing loudly? Why can we be passionate? Because Jesus makes us alive. 
And his church should be alive. Amen? Let's be a culture. Let's be a church where people want to get in and they want to stay. They don't want to leave because it's way better than what they experience in the world. What, what could it be like if, if the moment they pulled in and the moment they walked in, man, there's just something about it. We've gotten lots of testimonies about that. Hey, but there's something different here. We walked in, man, people were smiling. They're happy, right? Like, of course we should be happy. It's God's house, amen? We can leave our sin at the door, our trouble at the door. God loves us how we are, but come on. He died for us. He rose again for us. He made a way to the Father for us. Come on, we ought to be smiling and happy about something in church. If you didn't get your coffee this morning, you're getting it right now. Another thing when it comes to the church is alive is I think it's important for us to realize one of our distinctives here that we're on mission for is is literally reaching this next generation. I'm wearing my Alive Kids tie-dye shirt up here. I said, Lord, just let my shirt preach my message today. If I just like lost my voice right now, like you get it, like... You can have fun and be alive in church. And God, like if you crack a joke, uh, lightning bolt's not going to come down from heaven, like strike you down, right? Like, like we can have fun in church in God's house. We're called to reach all generations here at Alive. And I, I love what God has been doing and knitting our, our body together because we literally do have every generation represented. But if you, if you want to know where we might lean in the future, and I, hopefully you guys can understand this and don't misinterpret this that we don't care about any other generation, it's just this. If we don't reach the youth in the next generation, there will be no church. A live family church will eventually stop existing. And we see this a lot with a lot of churches that only have an older generation. They don't reach the youth. And then when everybody dies on that church, that church doesn't exist anymore. That's not what Jesus died for. That's not what Jesus is building. That's not the kind of church. So we have to be intentional to go after this next generation. What did Jesus say? He said, let the little children come to me. Don't push them away until it's their time. Let them come with their questions. Let them come with their curiosity. Let them come and find true life in me, every generation. And so I'm happy to say that we're, we're, we've got a long, work, long way to go, but man, when it comes to youth and kids and all that, we're going to invest resources. We're going to invest staffing. We're going to invest some stuff in that as a church because we believe we're a live family church and the family's made up of different generations. And if, if we reach the next family and the next family and the next generation and the next generation, this thing will be running, kicking, reaching people, blessing the community until Jesus cracks those clouds or we go to be with him. Amen? Because we're on mission. We're here on mission. And if I can just give a quick shout out to those that helped out this week at our first ever Alive Kids Camp. Come on, let me hear you. If you volunteered or you had a kid go to Alive Kids Camp, we had our first ever one-day-long kids camp. It was on this Wednesday, seven hours, 52 kids. That was beautiful, incredible. And you know why I get excited so much is 25% of them didn't go to church at all. We're from our community. Might have been the cheapest childcare mom and dad had that week, 20 bucks for a day. That's pretty good dropping them off, but it wasn't glorified babysitting. Let me tell you what. Oh my goodness. 20 plus kids at the end of camp said, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 20. 20 out of 52. Come on now. And God's just getting started. We got youth camp, youth summer camp coming up here and real quickly. And my goodness, the fire that God wants to light in this next generation. I don't know about you. If you're in the older generations, don't be mad about it. Like let it inspire you. I watch the younger kids go after Jesus, and it challenges me. The, the world says, oh, they're out. They're, they don't like church. They don't want to listen to this, all that. No, no, you got it wrong. Like, they're hungry for truth. 
There's a bunch of lies and hocus pocus out there all over the media and social media. They want the truth. And the Bible is the truth. It's our source. And when they get the truth, the Bible says, Jesus says, it would set them free. Come on, somebody. So we'll be a church that continues to preach the truth and continues to help put in a package that the youth and the next generation can receive. Amen. Because we believe generation after generation shall declare the works of the Lord here. Amen. Thank you to the 30 Alive team members that made that happen this week. 30 people. 30 people took off work, readjusted their schedule, helped out to make behind the scenes what happened this week. Praise God. That's just one example. But I believe God is calling us to be a church that is alive, a, a church so expansive with energy that, that we're reaching people, we're reaching youth, we're reaching the next generation. We are growing ourselves and our faith. And it's so expansive with energy that hell doesn't know what to do with it. Like the verse said, hey, oh my gosh, what is going on, right? Could we be a church alive that continues to prioritize a culture like that? The second thing I think that we want to learn today is number two, church is fun. Let me rewrite, let God rewrite the script today and say, no, church isn't boring. Church is only boring if we make it boring. But church is supposed to be fun. Now, some churches, inadvertently or overtly, they put the fun in funeral. Bad joke, I need my drummer, right? Sorry. We don't want to be a church that puts the fun in funeral, right? We believe that God has called us to be alive. We should be the most fun life-giving place that people walk into in their entire week if we're doing this thing right. Because the God of the universe who loves us, created us, made us, he's here. The one that loves us even when we're unlovable, even when we got junk going on in our life, he's here. And we believe that church is meant to be enjoyed, not just endured or tolerated. Growing up, I tolerated kind of church, kind of tolerated it. When is it we going to get out, and what are we doing for lunch? That was all I had on my mind. Whew, everything else over the head. It was a religious, I'm going to church, that person isn't, I'm probably better than them, I'll probably get to heaven better than them. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Good works do not get you to heaven. A personal relationship with Jesus does. Coming to church doesn't get you to heaven. A personal relationship with Jesus does. Amen? Let's make sure we don't miss it. But we believe the church should be fun. Now, if you go on a Bible study search, you don't see the word fun. Uh-oh. Heretic. Burn them at the stake, right? It's like, you do see the word joy a lot. If you read the Bible, you see joy smack dab all over there. I want to share a scripture with you. Psalm verse 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your hand are pleasures forevermore. When we come to God's house, when we come to his church, and we gather together as the church, and we get in his presence, we can experience the fullness of joy. My goodness, do we need joy more than ever in our culture. You see, happiness comes and goes with circumstances, right? That roller coaster. The joy of the Lord is only based on our identity in Christ. And once we experience it, once we crack into it, once we pull it down by faith, once we say, I am going to rejoice no matter what's going on in my life, no one can take it from us. No text message can take it from us. No headline in the news can take it from us. No bad news that we get from a family member can take it from us. 
But in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. There's fun and fullness of joy in God's presence. As I mentioned this scripture last week, and I'll say it again, Psalm 122, verse 1, David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Anybody glad they came to church this morning? I don't know about you guys. I am glad I'm here. The Hebrew word for glad here means joy. It means joyful. It means rejoice. It means to gladden. I was happy. I was having fun when he said, let's go to the house of the Lord. And we were singing about it just a few minutes ago. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Let's not be silent about it. Let's experience it, right? And sometimes when we open up our mouth and praise, we lift a hand and, and surrender, something happens. The atmosphere shifts. God drops a word. God breaks off an addiction. God shows us where we need to change. God puts some encouragement in us when the world's been chewing us up and spitting us out all week, when our boss has been riding us. Come on, we need joy in our lives if we're going to be smiling and happy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so, man, if you need some joy in your life, if you need to get back to that sweet spot of God, don't forsake the assembling together in his house. It's a joy house. There's joy. There's fullness of joy in God's house. Come on, somebody. And, and here's the deal. This is the challenge personally. It is a personal decision. It's a personal choice. In Psalm verse 118, verse 24, Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will have fun in church today, whether my list is too long, whether I didn't get enough sleep last night, whether I'm feeling a little hazy today. Come on, somebody. It don't matter because I'm going to choose to rejoice in God's house today. And when I do that by faith, maybe I don't even feel like I'm having fun, but when I do that by faith, the feeling comes later. We, don't, we aren't led by feelings. We're led by faith. But when we do it in faith, the feeling follows. And so joy comes even when we choose to worship and we don't feel like it. Joy comes when we show up to church and we'd rather be sleeping in or somewhere else. God can speak to us. You know, the Sundays that are most impactful in your life are the Sundays you usually miss. Every time. When I know when someone's going through something, they skip, they go golfing, they do something like that. I'm like, where were they? They weren't here today. Because God's word, he knows exactly what we need. Don't skip out on God's joy, his presence, his word. Let's be a church that's alive and has fun while we're doing it. And here's, here, I want to go on a little rabbit trail. Y'all doing good? Y'all doing good? Are we building our faith for what church could be and should be? Come on, somebody. Alive and fun, not dead and dumb. Come on, somebody. Alive, family church. I believe a lot of times our attitude towards church is, is uh, directly affected by our image or our view of God. And um, go ahead and put that first picture up. I feel like a lot of people have this view of God. I found this on Google this week. I was like, that's good. Like, are those angels or demons like circling around him? I was like, I think a lot of us think that God's this old, grumpy dude with a huge beard sitting on the throne of God with a baseball bat just waiting for you to screw up and sin. That's your image of God. And maybe you got that from your earthly father because you had a dysfunctional relationship there. There's a wound there. Or maybe somebody else, another male. But, but or maybe you've been burned by God or you felt like God had burned you. Whatever. This is your image of God. It's hard to have joy in the house of the Lord when I'm coming to see him. Man, I can't wait to get to the house and see daddy. He's so happy to see me. What the heck is that? 
I think we need to get a new image of God. Put the next one on. I remember when I first saw this painting of Jesus. I mean, a lot of you guys have seen this. this is pretty old, but I remember when I saw this as I was a new Christian, and I used to have that kind of like, God's mad at me. He hates me. God, if you're not mad, could you answer this prayer? That was kind of like my, my early Christian relationship until I saw this, until I remembered, man, God loves me so much, and he's, like, he's full of joy and gladness. The Bible says in Psalm 45, verse 7, he says, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. More than your companions. You can go ahead and show them that scripture if we have it. The oil of gladness. God has anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness more than anybody else. If you need joy in your life, if you need to pick me up in your life, you can come to Jesus. You can experience Jesus in the oil of joy in your life. Here's what I know. Jesus will bring you more joy than anything else this world has to offer. The other thing is we can loosen up in church and we can laugh a little bit. Amen? I like to laugh in church. You know who else likes to laugh? Jesus and God do. Psalm verse two, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 4 says, He who sits in heaven shall laugh. God sits in heaven and he laughs. And if God can laugh in heaven, then we can laugh in church. We can have joy in our lives. We can laugh at the devil when he tries to take us out and attack our family and attack our, our, our provision and attack our kids because he's defeated. We can laugh in God's house. And the other cool thing I think about church is this. It can be fun in the moment, but it also can be fun after it. Let me explain this. Because like the world, you see the world, the things that the world presents as fun, they're fun in the moment. They're fun to the flesh, but they're also often not fun afterwards. Like, like the fun that the world presents you will give you the next day a hangover. Will give you, will leave you broke. Will leave you broken. Will leave you sick. And will leave you frustrated and unfulfilled. But the things that God brings you, they're good in the moment and they're good after. When we experience the refill at church, it's good now. But my goodness, it can be good tomorrow because of what happened today. Amen? The, the benefits can keep going and going and going. And when we become and we start being the church and getting outside the four walls and actually being the church, because the church isn't the building or the walls, the church is us. God can begin to move so mightily in our lives. You see, church is the filling station. But what are we getting filled up for? Who? For those that are not here. It's the celebratory pep rally. Hey, once a week, remember you're a Christian. Remember that God loves you. Remember that God's called you to something greater. So let's get out there and start doing it. Amen? Church is so important because when you don't come, you disconnect from the body. And alone and separated, the enemy walks around seeking whom he may devour. But when we come, we get energized. We get encouragement. Our kids said it last week. When we skip church, the people that miss out the most isn't even us. It's our children. Because inadvertently we're saying there's something more important than God that day. We're committed to have our kids in church as much as we can. Because we want to show them that, man, when you put God first, he'll take care of everything else. 
Amen? When they have that, the world will try to take so much from them, but if they got a relationship with God, they've got all they need. If we got a relationship with God, we've got all we need. So come to the filling station because I love what the Bible says about the early believers who gathered together in the synagogue or at church and then in house to house. Check this out in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. It said, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Could we be a people to turn our community upside down for Jesus? Those who are passionate about God have come here too. Those that are sold out for Jesus are here too. That we could turn our community upside down for Jesus. Let me leave you with just a few practicals this morning. I don't have these for the screen, but I, I feel like you know this might resonate with some of you. A couple of these things I might share here. When it comes to church, church being alive, church being fun, just church in general, it's not a have to, it's a get to. Just start saying that to yourself. I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God. You don't. I get to. And actually, I am the church. So when I skip, part of the church doesn't show up that day. Part of the encouragement doesn't show up that day. Part of the love doesn't show up that day. Part of the breakthrough doesn't show up that day. We get to be at church. We get to attend church. We get to connect and encourage one another. We get to give. We get to serve. We get to have a relationship with God. We get to help other people grow in that relationship with God. We get to get in God's presence and the fullness of his joy. We get to. We don't have to. Amen? Number two, let this today's message maybe be a pulse check. In the medical field, when it comes to humanity, a human that doesn't have a pulse is dead. Right? When they often they'll check for a pulse first. Can I get a pulse? And if there's no pulse, it, it's a serious issue. Everybody figure out what's going on because that, if that remains long enough, that, that is not a good condition. A pulse check on our church involvement, right? Maybe today, would you ask yourself these questions? Is there a pulse in my relationship with God? Is there a pulse found in my church rhythms? Is there a pulse in my commitment to God and his church and building his church? Is there a pulse in my family and my kids for God? Let's get it revived and let's bring it to a healthy state. And then the other thing is, if you think church is still boring after this, I just want to encourage you, don't get bored, get on board. Okay, don't, don't be bored, get on board. If church is boring, it's probably because you're coming just for yourself. I know that's hard to like grapple at first because you need to come for yourself first and get cleaned up, right? Oxygen mask, put yours on first so then you can help somebody else. That's stage one. Get Jesus, get cleaned up, get on track. But once you're good, help somebody else, right? Come, serve, give, join a crew, get in community, take growth track, right? Invite somebody, share your faith with somebody, lay hands on somebody, pray for somebody, do something with it. You are the church. And a church that is alive is a church that's active. If we don't work out, we can't stay spiritually fit. We got to have some movement, some activity in the body, right? We have a statement around here that you'll hear in Growth Track. If you haven't taken Growth Track, we encourage you guys to go through it. But we say this, 
church becomes way more fun when you stop just coming for yourself. It really does. When you give back, when you pay it forward, when you make space for others to encounter God. And lastly, our church comes alive when it starts here first. When we come alive. We can only be a live family church if the people that come to alive are alive and having fun. And so if we want this culture, we always point the finger at ourselves first and we say, Lord, what's going on in my heart? Revive my heart. Bring a fresh fire and passion in my heart for you. Because when that happens, it spreads like wildfire and it gets contagious, right? And one fire can light another person, can light another person, light another person. And that's when people will come from miles away just to watch the fire of God burn because they're done with the politics. They're done with the culture. They're done with the, the half, half, half purposeful things in life. They're, they're done with all the things that the world says, do this and do this, and this will make you happy and make this amount of money and buy this kind of house and have this kind of car and do all this because it ain't going to fulfill you. Only Jesus will. The fire of God in our church. Could we alive be a church that is alive and has fun and great joy in God's house? I believe we are, and I believe God's taking us to newer depths and higher heights with that. Amen. Would you join me as we go to God and pray to ask him to touch our heart in a specific way today? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We just thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing here. You're building a movement, not a monument in our building. Father, we are the called out ones, the ecclesia, the church. And so, Father God, we are the church. Jesus, you died for the church. Jesus, you're building the church, which means you're building us. So, Father, I just pray that you would light a fire on the inside of us. If our fires went dim, fan into flame, Holy Spirit, the fire of God on the inside of us. The passion for you, the commitment to your bride, the church, to prioritize her above everything else in our lives. Forgive us, Father, where we've missed it. Lord, we come to you, we repent, we turn from our wicked way, we turn towards your way. And today, may we find fresh joy and fresh life and become alive in you as we just do your word, Father, and respond to your word today. I thank you that you're helping us become a body of believers that truly is alive and loves to have fun with you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the impact that would have in our region, in our community, and across the world, Father God. We thank you for what you're doing here, that you're just getting started. You're not done with us yet. And so, Father God, we submit our heart and our will and our life to you. We praise you and we receive all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. So be it.